Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. This is Dr. Thaddeus Venture, and you're listening to the Long Box Guys. Whatever that means. the long box guys gonna do tonight brain the same thing the long box guys do every night pinky drink and talk about comics they're useless to taking over the world yes hey everybody welcome to the long box guys uh with me as always are some of my very best friends since i was a very little kid josh opera how you doing and what are you drinking i am <laughs> drinking an incredibly mediocre beer that has some fantastic <laughs> marketing and uh, just one of the greatest labels I've seen in a long time. It is called LARPing for Love. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you can see the little guy out there all Aww. dressed up in his LARP Aww. uniform, chasing down his love on his fake horse with a bouquet of flowers. It's fantastic. The beer's okay. It's from the Aslan Beer Company. I don't really know where they're located, but of Herndon, Virginia. Herndon, Virginia. Mediocre job, guys, but fuck, that label's good. It is a good-looking label. I like the colors, and it's very yeah. bright. And, uh, yeah. Kind of reminds me a little bit of um, uh, Stick. Uh, Order the Stick. Order the Stick. Thank you very much. Kind of mm-hmm. reminds me a little bit of that. Uh, Stacy, how you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. And uh, I'm drinking water of the head of Frankenstein. Or... If, if it had a handle, it would be a Frankenstein. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I see what you did there. I see uh-huh. what you did there. <laughs> Tommy, how you doing? Or what are you drinking there, pal? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm drinking some Old Camp whiskey. Is it uh, smooth? It, it, tells me, it tells me it's smooth right on the bottle. <laughs> nice. Mikey, how about you, man? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm doing well, and I am drinking some Eagle Rare bourbon. Ooh. Uh, tonight I am drinking. I've been looking for a beer that I will like, and my good friend Josh told me that to try, because I like shandies, a uh, Juice Freak. Uh, you told me that a long time ago, Josh. Do you remember it's not that? a shandy, but yeah. It's <laughs> no, I said I like shandies, and you said, well, give, give Juice Freak a try. It's not a shandy, but it's it's tasty. Sure. So right. it's, very, it's very juicy smelling. Yeah. Made right here in Westboro, Massachusetts. Uh, they're a, uh, a good little spot. That does remind me of a shandy. You know, it's got a lot of flavor to it, but it's not overwhelming. I like that a lot. How does it make you feel, Tom? I was about to say, you know, if I drink enough of that beer, it's going to make me feel invincible. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about Invincible, uh, the now uh, television show and the comic book. Uh, Terrific comic book. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Mike Manning recommended this comic book to me years ago. Uh, and uh, when I first read it, uh, I kind of went in, you know, uh, not totally sold on the idea, but, man, it is good. Uh, you know me, I love the hero's journey. Everyone seems to take the hero's journey or fail at the hero's journey at some point or get back on the hero's trail at some point. They really put a human face on the superhero genre. Uh, who wants to talk a little bit about what Invincible is about? I will. Or go ahead, Josh. Go ahead, Mike. So Invincible, uh, a.k.a. Mark Grayson, 
was created by Robert Kirkman and Corey Walker. They he first appears as part of a an issue of Savage Dragon back in 2002, and then goes on to get his own series. Image had for a long time when it first started, they had a lot of uh, superhero comics, but then they had gone away from the superhero comics, more creator owned and less superhero, and they were trying to get back into the superhero genre. And so Kirkman pitched the idea, and they were like, yeah, sure, go ahead. He did not think it was going to get past the first 12 issues that they had ordered. He was surprised it even got past the first six, but it ended up going 140-something issues. It's a very good series. It's essentially self-contained. It creates its own world. There were a few spinoffs of the Invincible world uh, however, you don't need to read any of those other comics in order to get uh, get the idea of what's going on. Mark Grayson is a typical teenager whose father just happens to be the world's greatest superhero, Omni-Man. And Omni-Man is a, a Superman ripoff, except instead of being from a world that was destroyed, he actually chooses to leave his planet and go to Earth... Uh, as a lot of the vil, 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 Ultramites? Thank you. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers ahead, folks. If you haven't read this series now or watched the cartoon, I would hazard you against listening. Go read that shit. Yeah, so when uh, Mark turns 17, his superpowers kick in. And much to the dismay of his father, uh, you get to learn later on as things go on that his father was not sent to Earth to uh, help the Earth citizens as much as he was to prepare it for an invasion. And so now that Mark has reached the age, uh, his father wants Mark to help him take over. Uh, The TV show differs a lot from the comic books, but in good ways. It seems like they're taking the Invincible series and going at light speed compared to the buildup that they had in the uh, comic books. I will say this. There were, there are a lot of things that I really enjoyed about the comic book itself. I really thought Mark was a great character and really develops over time. He makes mistakes uh, and he learns from those mistakes. And he is one of the few male characters in comics who has been raped and actually suffers from PTSD because of the rape. Um, so, and it was, it was handled very well, I think, in the comic book. Mark is ashamed of what happened to him, and he tries to hide it. And it, it affects all aspects of his life and how he interacts with everybody because of the trauma that he suffered and doesn't want to reveal it to anybody. So I think that's probably the best storyline that they have, although there are a number of other great storylines. But uh, before we go into the other storylines, let's just talk about his powers. He is uh, nigh invulnerable, uh, just like the tick. Uh, He has an accelerated healing factor. Uh, He ages slower than everybody else. He can fly at high speeds. He can travel in space. He's super strong. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. He doesn't, unlike the uh, Superman clones, he doesn't have that super vision or the super breath or anything like that. Although, does he? 
Does he have super hearing? I don't think he does. He's got yeah. the speed. Yeah. yeah. And because of the super speed, that's where, why he wears goggles to protect his eyes, which I thought was a good addition. Yeah, you don't have super eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's just get into it. What do you got? Let's talk first about the comic book, and then we'll talk about the TV show because the TV show is still ongoing. Uh, and again, spoilers, if you have not watched the TV show, you might want to watch the TV show, then come back and listen to this. Or if you don't give a shit about spoilers, go ahead and keep on listening. LT, did you read Invincible? So uh, I started reading it last week to get ready for this, and um, I've probably read about 300 pages so far. Uh, I really like the way that he got rid of the uh, global team of heroes Omni-Man uh, attacks the global team of heroes and kills him and is is horribly wounded during that fight and everybody just assumes that he was part of the, that he was one of the attacked um, and I really like that part of the story because everybody assumes that Omni-Man was a victim when in reality he's the one that instigated and set off the whole thing and he would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for his meddling kid and his own hubris. Yeah, he, yeah I, I got a question about that. Why not take one or two of these superheroes out before that? Just like one or two. Because like, of his hubris. Because of, of his own hubris. Man, it just seems like just taking one, like Warrior Woman or... Uh, Phase or fish face guy. Just taking one out would have really been helpful. That's just me. That's like the I mean, thing that was glaring at me. It seemed like in the fight that the immortal and uh, warrior woman were his biggest threats on the team. It seemed like like the attacks from the the the, the king of Atlantis and uh, the speedster really weren't that effective. The, the speedster did a little bit of damage, and so yeah, did... Uh, a bit, but, but it really wasn't that effective on him. It set up Warrior uh, Woman and the Immortal for some good shots. Really? I'm just saying, take it out one or two. And the, the, the stretch guy. guy did the most 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 effective in kind of holding him in place for the other for Warrior Woman and the Immortal to take their shots. That's what I'm saying, just kill one. Just one. And, and then, hey, everybody, something terrible happened. We should meet. Aha, it's the same exact plan. I just killed the stretchy guy. <laughs> yeah. That's just something that bugs me about this one. It, I mean, it, it comes down to his hubris. I think you're right. We've said that word enough times. <laughs> For you guys playing at home, every time someone said the H word, do a shot. Well, that is one of Omni-Man's superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually yeah. true. It is a running theme throughout the, uh, the comic book and the TV show so far. Anybody else have their favorite uh, storyline from the comics? Um, I read the comic a while ago. Uh, who's the supervillain that takes over Earth? And everyone goes, oh, he's doing a good job. Oh, yeah, that's – you're talking about the guy that – he's an ongoing villain. Yeah, he's an ongoing villain. He's like their Lex Luthor, and he takes over Earth. And even Invincible's got to be like, you know what? I'm just going to move off the planet. He's doing a good job. I might as well just leave it to him. He uh, settles the Viltrumite War. 
Uh, he uh, gets a kind of an uneasy piece going, and uh, he's Lex Luthor actually doing a decent job, and he's on the hero's journey, even though he's still the supervillain. He did it all through supervillainy. But he's doing a good job, and people are voting for him now. <laughs> Rex, right? No, the Rex Blode is, uh, that's not him. Yeah. No. I'll come up with it. Is that the dimension hopping guy? Yeah. Oh, um. Dr. Angstrom? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, so he he pretty much takes over, and uh, everyone's like, oh, well, yeah, but you're doing a great job. (laughs) Yeah, the trains are running great. All right. I just like that. (laughs) I like the super villain wins, and everyone goes, yeah, but, you know, everyone's eating. There's world peace. Not a lot of crime. I guess we kind of got to go with it. And that's an ongoing theme. Like, an uneasy peace or changing your mind about someone is part of the invincible mindset. Uh, there are friends who become enemies and enemies who become friends in this comic book. You guys all saw that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Angstrom mm-hmm. does send... Invincible to uh, an alternate dimension full of other Invincibles who have had to resort to cannibalism. Yes, yes, he does. That's <laughs> evil. Hawk can do that. Mohawk Invincible is not a good Invincible. <laughs> nope. uh, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, he is still in charge. At the end of the comic book, I think Angstrom is still in charge of Earth. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I haven't actually got to the end of the run yet. Yep, keep going. Angstrom kind of takes over. <laughs> so, yeah, I bought all these on Comixology uh, when there was an Invincible sale going on. But the omnibuses, if you want to go out, there's, I think, three or you know, four omnibuses that'll encompass the whole series. And they're large hardcovers, and they're gorgeous. I saw them at a comic book store this weekend, and I was like, whoa. That looks good. Ooh, I already own all these. <laughs> uh, and if you, if you pay for Comixology, you can get the first six or eight trades are on Comixology or on them to read. To oh, okay. Yeah, on lim- limited. Yeah, so if you got a limited, you can get, yeah, the first whatever it is, like first like 50 or 60 issues for free. And they're, they're a great read. I enjoyed actually. I enjoyed reading some of the Wikipedia page just to get, like, it's it's such a, a big good story. I read the comic books and I read some of the Wikipedia stuff and some of the some of the stuff people were writing about it because it's it's deeper. Maybe it's the fans going too deep, but you know, there's a lot of deep thought in this comic book about a lot of things. Father and sons is a huge part of this comic book. The relationship yeah. between father. I mean, it's it's so blatant that he wants to talk about that from the very first issue. And uh, mother and sons and family issues and family relationships and what it is to be good versus evil. And it just uh, it, it really humanizes, um, you know, superpowers. Yeah, I think the uh, whole series does a good job of making uh, Grayson extraordinarily relatable to everyone who's ever been in high school. And for people who don't know Kirkman uh, or, or don't recognize the name off that, clearly he's more well known for um, uh, Walking Dead, what the Walking, Walking Dead, Dead series, yeah. Uh, which uh, he also 
took a storyline ad nauseum, right? Kirkman has a, uh, a record of being able to, to pull storylines and keep pulling those threads from long ago into things that are relatable to series. And The Walking Dead had an extraordinarily long run, and, and Invincible <laughs> does does uh, something similar. And, and the whole world Kirkman has, I, I think where he makes the character so relatable is because his world is so easy to build. He He takes everything from every other comic book right there is a super thinly veiled layer over what invincible is where he just takes everything from other comics whether it be the justice league um whether it be uh certain characters from marvel but and and he's completely unapologetic about it and i think what it does is it, it it gives him the the freedom to be very relatable in a singular character while the world building is is super basic because he just stole it all. The, the heavy lifting was done the for heavy him by everyone done, right? else from from ever. Yes. Yeah. He he didn't he didn't hide the fact that War War Woman was Wonder Woman. He just he just took it and left. Right. And so a lot of his suitcases were packed in this case. Yeah. He, he just didn't have to do much with it, and so he got to concentrate on a character without without having to build a world that we needed to believe because we already knew it. We, it was already so familiar, right? Yeah, he, he doesn't have to explain who Omni-Man is. We're like, oh, alien, super strong, super speed. Yeah, we get it, Superman. Yeah, yeah. Or the Martian right. Manhunter guy that was the Martian alien guy. Like, yep, stretchy. Yeah. Looks exactly like Martian Manhunter. Yeah. Yeah, he just took it. He just took everyone. So uh, that's... my only lovely thing is that uh, Immortal uh, was Abe Lincoln, and how can you kill Abe Lincoln, you son of a bitch? <laughs> so uh, here's here's what I think is, is beautiful about the TV show. Kirkman has been involved in it. Originally, it was he sold it to Paramount. Paramount didn't do anything with it. Then Amazon he. He got the rights back and held on to it until because he he had his Walking Dead money, right? He was like, yeah. "Okay, I'm good. I'm just going to hold on to it until he, he does a deal with Amazon." Amazon's like, "Great." He's like, "Ooh, I have this series," and they're like, "Awesome!" And he wrote the pilot episode for the TV show, and uh, it shows because he he does a really good job. And I I, I heard an interview with him. He's like. Yeah, of course it's different than the comic book because I wrote the comic book 20 years ago. I hope I'm a better writer now than I was 20 years ago. So I think the story's going better this way. I didn't have to wait and build up to Omni-Man killing uh, the Global Guardians. Uh, I just did it in the first episode at the end. You know, he uh, He's doing good, and the uh, co-creator... Um, uh, the artist is also involved with the animation company in uh, South Korea. So all the new characters and stuff are still having the same feel as the original Invincible uh, because it's got the same artist who's helping design all the the new characters too. And in the TV show, the whole father and son thing, it's not only showing up in in Man and Invincible, but also if you look at the uh, the guard from the president's 
storyline and his son, they bring that back when they're in London and the trash bag that Invincible had thrown out when he was working at the Burger Mart falls in London and the the kid pushes his dad out of the way and it's the first time he calls him dad forever and they, they're bonding and connecting. And it all, it's all this giant callback from that first episode where the guard from the, the presidential uh, guarding the president's estate or White House uh, the Secret Service cop. Son and him, yeah. yeah. The Secret Service cop was was talking about how you know distant him and his son had become, and how he was going to go to London to try to reconnect with him. And then we see that reconnection a couple episodes later. Yeah. The other thing I really liked about the conversion is uh, Kirkman decides to update some of his language and some of his characters, and the character in the comic book who basically uses the word "gay" as an insult becomes the gay character in the TV series. Uh, and they diversify they diversify the, the cast a bit uh, in the comic book. Also, the kid who is the voice of um, Grayson of Invincible is the same person who voiced it in original teleplay they did as a web, a web comic series back in the day. So it's nice to see a little continuity there. But it's also just nice to see that they decided to make the storyline uh I'll, I'll say just say modernized to be nice to kirkman yeah the voice actors themselves it's a who's who of the walking dead <laughs> yeah uh, yeah yeah which is not surprising at all but it also has the greatest actor of our generation sir walton goggins absolutely Let's see so um uh, and that that throwaway secret service police officer uh, is fucking John Hamm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course, you, you can see it with the way he's drawn. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely John Hamm. Yeah. Big so, handsome John Hamm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought about you a lot, Mikey, when I when I was watching that uh, that back and forth. That was uh, it was well written and it was intelligent. It was, um, you know, something that I was just glad to see on screen. Yeah, and he's not going to get out of that palms training, by the way, for superheroes, uh, supervillain no, reactions. No, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah you, I don't care if you're on vacation. You're going to come back and do the fucking makeup training. <laughs> what am I supposed to do against a guy with super breath? I don't know. Put on your gas mask is probably first thing, right? All right, all right, that's fine. So the, I did like the Mahler twins. That was fun. I like the fact that the Mahler twins don't know who's the clone and who's not the clone. Oh. They both know who the clone is. Oh, they it's know the now. other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I like how it gets revealed later what actually is going on with those two. <laughs> you know what I didn't like? They shot out one of the guy's eyes, and later on in the comics, he that guy with only had one eye for the rest of the series. Uh, <laughs> so you could tell the Mahler twins apart. Uh, but they they healed his eye while he was in jail, and I didn't like that part. You monster! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the Mauler twins are fun. They are fun. The Mauler twins are kind of fun. <laughs> they are one of the best villains. Uh, yeah, duos in the in the in the comic. I I do enjoy that. They're ridiculous. They are yes. ridiculous, and their power set is cool enough that you know they're going to get beat. But, I mean, they got to put up a good fight. 
Yeah, well, like it's nice to see brawlers be super scientists. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they know they're going to get beat. Nope, nope, nope. I think Sometimes they, suffer they from, know they're going to get I think beat. They, I think they also suffer from Super H. <laughs> they, they seem to think it's going to be a cakewalk to go in there and beat the shit out of the president. <laughs> Uh, what else to be said about that in the comic book? Um, it's just like it's really the, the 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 interactions between. Like usually, I don't love the interactions between people on a personal level in a comic book. I just want to get to the superhero fight. Like we were just talking about Godzilla versus King Kong. We want to see the the big monsters fight. But this particular comic book and a few others, it's that interpersonal relationship that is more intriguing than the big super battles. I think we can agree on that on this comic book. So one of the things I worry about with that is as they're converting this to the show, they are blowing through storylines on the show like nobody's fucking business that were like... I just worry that, you know, just like when Kirkman started, he didn't expect the comic to go 12 issues. I feel like he's doing the same thing with the, the show. I mean, granted, there's a lot of material to go through, but... I just feel like he is just pulling the ripcord on every, every like every episode is like ten issues. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Yeah, it feels like we're going to be in the Slow middle. Slow down of the, there, buddy. I'm only on uh, episode two, and it feels yeah. like the filter by war is coming real quick. So, I just hope he doesn't do the. I hope he doesn't, you know, just sort of rip through this too prematurely and leave himself nothing on the back end of the. Uh, but he'll just write more. That's the Which beauty of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, you can yeah. just keep right. But, um, like, if The Walking right. Dead has shown us anything, he does not care <laughs> if he has to go a little longer than he should. That's fair. That is and this fair. worked out great for Martin uh, when it came to Game of Thrones, too. I'll just, I'll just keep writing. Uh, no, he just stopped writing. I know. That's my point. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I hope I hope that Viltrumite War is coming up because that means my favorite character is going to show up. Who's your favorite character? Dinosaurus. Oh. <laughs> I mean, a man who turns into a mutant dinosaur every time he's not entertained. How is that not <laughs> everybody's favorite character? He's amazing. He's he's close to my favorite character. Yeah. Who's yours, then, Mikey? Uh, Monster Girl. Oh, I love Monster character. Girl. Too. Monster Girl's a big yeah. character. Yeah, I, I, I like Alan the Alien though. So, I mean, it, correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't Alan fight Invincible like two or three times in the comic book before they figure out that he's not he's going to the wrong planet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought so. I'm like, wait, did they just? Oh, I no, he fights well, his he dad, fights, and then he fights, fights his dad, like, yeah. several times, and then he fights Invincible, and on, Invincible on the first time is like, what do you mean there are rules? Because every time he shows up, Omni-Man just kicks his ass and sends him on his way, and then when Invincible goes out, he's like, what's going on? Why are we doing this? And he's like, wait, what? You want your timeout? He's like, what, I get a timeout? <laughs> and then he solves it, because he's like, oh, yeah, dude, he was at the wrong planet. And his mom's like, what? You never talked to him before? And Omni-Man's like, what, I'm supposed to talk to people now? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I do like Alan. And honestly, you couldn't find a better voice than Seth Rogen for Alan, the alien man. 
It is yeah. spot on. And Alan plays a big role in the whole comic book series later on. So if you're a fan of Alan the Alien from the TV show, you will enjoy the comic series too. Yeah, there's a lot of him coming up. Yeah. I wonder oh. if that's why uh, the last couple episodes of Family Guy, uh, they haven't had uh, him on there. It was a very Lois uh, forward episode the last couple of episodes. You're confusing Seth Rogen and Seth MacFarlane. I absolutely just did, yes. <laughs> Seth Rogen, but you're right. Seth Rogen was really not on the last couple episodes of Family Guy. Absolutely. <laughs> last couple, true. I mean all 300. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, though, Seth, uh, Seth MacFarlane would have been a great Alan the Alien, too. Yeah. He's played a kind of deadpan. <laughs> Especially if he just used Peter's voice. Yeah. Or Ted's voice. But Seth Rogen is him and his partner uh, actually have the live action Invincible that they're working on now. They're the producers for that. Yeah. Well, they're they're involved in the cartoon as well. Yeah, executive producers, I think. Yeah. That yeah. means nothing. <laughs> that means nothing. Nothing. Executive producer. Nothing. Yeah. And you know how much I love Green Hornet, so. And I'm the only one. That's not true. There's no. got to be someone else. There's got to be someone. The guy who made Green Hornet. Yeah, I like the car. Is that <laughs> who knows? And he's like, nah. Nah. Not my best nice. work, guys. So, any other comments on Invincible, either the comic book and or the TV show? Yeah, I will say uh, one of my other favorite things because I read it, um, I read it in trades for at least most of, at least probably the first hundred issues, and each of the trades, with the exception of a few, are named after sitcoms. And as a pop culture fanatic, <laughs> I appreciate that dedication. It is dedication. What were a couple of the trades named? Uh, I'm looking at a list here. Family Matters, Eight is Enough, Perfect Strangers, Head of the Class. Wait, was the... Perfect Strangers the one where he gets raped? That's terrible. No, it's volume three, so that's that's around issue thirteen. So Three's Company, <laughs> my favorite Martian. <laughs> Growing pains. Yeah, I mean they're just great. Now I'm trying to think of what that one would be called. Mash. Okay, so fun Alex Dr. fact. <laughs> fun Alex fact. Do you guys know what the name of the high school is on the Invincible TV show? I do. Go ahead, uh, Stacy. Reginald Vell Johnson High. Yes, <laughs> named after the, the star of Die Hard and Family Matters, right. Reginald Vell Johnson. Reginald Vell Johnson. I love Reginald Vell Johnson. All right, nice. So they were. They were worried they couldn't use that name because, you know, it actually belongs to someone. But they they were able to get him, uh, Reginald Vell Johnson, as the voice of the principal of that school. And he agreed to let them use his name for the high school. <laughs> he was so good. You guys watch uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yeah. I love I've him. seen, yeah. uh, I've seen yeah. like a series, uh, one or two seasons of it. So Reginald Vell Johnson uh, is himself in one of the episodes, and it's awesome during uh, the bachelor party. 
Oh, yes, because he's obsessed with uh, Die Hard. he's obsessed with Die Hard. They actually get Reginald Vell Johnson to come to the bachelor party. <laughs> but they accidentally skip him because no one wants to do the boring parts of the bachelor party. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And he was really funny in it. <laughs> and and he, well, so Reginald Vell Johnson marginally makes an appearance in another image comic, kind of. Um, uh, a friend of a friend, Ryan Brown. Um, well, I guess I've taught, I've hung out with him. I guess we're kind of friends, but uh, he did the comic God Hates Astronauts, and yeah. there's a character named Gnarled Winslow, which is literally Carl <laughs> Winslow, but with like gorilla arms. <laughs> and and uh, my husband and our friend Brandon actually teamed up and made uh, resin figures of Gnarled Winslow for, um, I think, c 2 several years ago. So, <laughs> it's nice. Fun. Yeah. That's a collector's item. That's for certain. Yeah, I can't like remember it. how many they made. I mean, it was probably fewer than ten. All right. All right, any last words on this character, then? We're all looking forward to the rest of the show, though, right? I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. I yeah. don't want to talk about oh, yeah. anything. I have such anticipation. Like, they, and I love the animation. The animation's crisp and good and, and fun to watch. Yeah, it, it, it varies in its accuracy, which I like. It, it goes from... Uh, they're they're pretty loose on frame rate, and they kind of make it look classic. And then it zips into that, like that moment when he kills uh, uh, the Guardians of the Globe, right? They like zero in on the animation to make sure you know exactly how gory and brutal the fight is. And then it and then it it dissipates. And I think I think with the pace of the show, so goes the pace of the animation. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, I really did see that. Uh, and I was about to, I, that was one of my comics comments was going to be that uh, the, the gore when they show it is very visceral. Like you can really feel it. They don't make it cartoonish at all. Uh, when Fish Guy gets his head just pummeled in, or yeah, it oh, was, yeah, yeah, it when was he red brutal. rush, and he just yeah. clamps on that dude's forehead, <laughs> and he's just oh, and hands the- up. And it's just slow motion, and his hands are just breaking on his fucking chest, and you can just see oh, the yeah. feet of sweat dropping in slow motion. Everyone else is moving in the background like they're trying to help. They're just never going to get there before his head explodes. Yeah, yeah people, his head explodes. Uh, yeah, Zack Snyder was watching it with a boner. Oh, yeah, that's what I should have done. Oh. Give me the Kirkman cut. You did it 12 minutes. <laughs> oh, Jack! I know you're not listening, but Jesus Christ, take a cue from that. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that the opening credits continue to get bloodier and bloodier every episode. Yeah. The splash page is literally a splash page. Right. A splatter page, excuse me. Splatter page. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah, I was about I to, yeah. yeah, read the comic, watch the show, get involved. Uh, this is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I, I, I enjoy this uh, so far more than The Walking Dead. So get in here, and if you're a fan of that sort of writing and the elongated storylines, come watch uh, Invincible. Yeah, and you did say elongated storylines, it's true, but 
it really is something you can read. Like, you can't read Superman. <laughs> I mean, you could, but man, <laughs> God yeah, bless well, you if you do. You. But you can read all of Invincible oh, yeah. uh, in a couple of weeks, really. Yeah. Uh, maybe even a week if you're, like, pretty dedicated. Like, all of it. You're done. I, uh, Invisible is done. You can actually check it the fuck off. Yeah. Right, that was Superman. <laughs> check it off the list, yeah. Check it off the list. And we do have a list, and that list is what's at the front of the law box. Mikey, what's at the front of that law box, buddy? Well, on a recommendation of Stacy, I'm going to dip into the front of the law box and talk about Superman and Lois on the WB. I will say this. <laughs> Tyler, I'm going to butcher his last name, Hochin. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler Hochin. <laughs> is the best <laughs> fucking live action Superman ever. And I, was, and I was telling my son this the other day when he wa- came out and said another Superman show. And I'm like, no, this Superman's different. This Superman is fucking smart. Uh, so spoilers ahead. There are five episodes in, in this Superman, he's fighting somebody who is as strong as he is and he's getting his ass kicked. Cause this guy's even bigger than him. And he's like, damn it. And then he's like, Oh wait, I'm fucking Superman. And he uses his freeze breath to freeze the dude. And then he starts using his super speed to pummel the shit out of this guy. And I'm like, Oh, a Superman who uses all of his powers. That's pretty awesome. Uh, And another point, Superman's being attacked by a mad scientist who's using a sonic gun because, oh, his ears got super hearing. It's really going to fuck him up. And Superman's like slaps his hands together, creates another sonic wave back at the guy and knocks him on his ass like, fuck you. I have superpowers. You're lucky I wasn't in Zack Snyder's universe because I would have just laser beamed you. But, yeah, this is a good show. I I am going to highly recommend the show. Out of all the WB shows uh, in the Berlanti-verse, this is far and away my favorite, and it might be my best visual, the best depiction of Superman. I love his interaction with Lois. I'll give it a shot, but, boy, we've been burned so many times, man. Yeah. Hoakland, Mike. His name is Hoakland. Hoakland? Hoakland. All right. Easy yeah, for you I have to, to say. say it's the it's one of the few Lois lanes that I don't hate. Like I right? hate Lois most of the time, but uh, and I I can't remember the actress's name, but I think she does a fantastic job. And and I'm with you, I'm with you on Clark because I judge every Superman by Clark Kent, and he he is a really good Clark Kent. He is an excellent Clark Kent. He you do not suspect that this dude could ever be Superman. Just the way he is the he, he he's channeling Christopher Reeve. Uh yeah. the way that this guy is bumbling, but he's not as big either. So that makes it uh even more believable. Like he's, he's struggling to with lift the water cooler and you know yeah. he's just such a geek he, you know he's got they've got two sons in this so they're taking a little liberties because it's the wb and you have to have teenage angst so just overlook that i agree with you on lois and here's the reason why i agree with lois is because she's a fucking investigative reporter and they're actually mm-hmm. using her like an investigative reporter and when her car gets firebombed she's like no oh, well that's not going to dissuade me and when Mm-mm. somebody is kicking her ass, she's like, oh, you're in trouble now. Because she signals 
Superman is like, oh, you're going to try to kill me? You are not going to like the results of this. And Superman does not like somebody trying to hurt his wife because he flies through several fucking walls and just pummels the shit out of this guy. It is a great dynamic. Just All right, we'll give it a shot. Yeah, just overlook the teen angst shit. Hey, man, this is Kevin Smith, uh, Silent Bob from all those terrible Jay and Silent Bob type pictures, and you are listening to Thinking Outside the Long Box, comics talk for comics fans. Tommy, you son of a bitch, at the back of the long box better not be that piece of shit Lois and Clark. <laughs> What's at the back of the long <laughs> box? Lois and, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> you didn't want to hear that. Now, I've got uh, Sentium by Jeff Lemire, Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, uh, Sebastian Gerner and Steve Wands. This is a, a small 160-page self-contained story. It is a story of a colony ship that is on its way to a colony. Earth is dying. It's trying to get out before Earth complete, completely dies off. They get to a section of space that's kind of a, a dead area where they are losing contact with Earth and don't quite have range to contact the colony and at that point a political dissident kills off all the adults on the ship and so it is up to the ship's AI and the kids to take care of this political dissident and run the ship from there on out while they're in this dead zone and that's what they do and they take care of it and then the political faction that that the dissident belonged to tries to take over the ship and the kids arrange stuff so that they take them out and they keep on trucking uh, and it's a very good self-contained story um, I recommend it especially if you like Jeff Lemire's writing because well he's a pretty good writer I think I have and you can read this all in one sitting because it's 160 pages I have a uh, original drawing by uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walta. I met him at a con. What drawing did you get? I don't remember. That's killing me, though. I'm like, oh, I know that dude. Uh, but I'm trying to remember what I had him draw. I think it was a Valiant character, if I remember correctly. Well, you would have known if it was like, like Miguel and Gorilla Grodd or anything like that. <laughs> no, I think, he, I think he did Archer for me. Oh, no, Armstrong. Oh, yeah. Armstrong. Armstrong, all right. That works for me. Sorry, we went off on a little tangent there. And that's always Josh's purview. Josh, you got a tangent for us? Uh, I was trying to think of one. I didn't have anything offhand, but I was looking at this guy, Hoakland. And uh, I have to say I'm a little impressed by his early days. So he becomes a childhood actor early on, uh, starring in Road to Perdition as Tom Hanks's kid. That's a good oh. movie. Uh, in that oh, movie. Wow. Yeah. Another good comic book adaptation. One of, the, one of the better comic book adaptations, as I recall. in. Uh, in that moment, he's offered a couple of roles, uh, one of the leading roles in the Twilight movies, uh, and he's also uh, uh, approached by Francis Ford Coppola for a couple of roles in his films, and he turns them down uh, because he is a, uh, a high school baseball phenom, and he wants to make it uh, to the major leagues, uh, and he turns down all that to go to college, and he actually does fairly well in his first three years of college he's actually considered a uh, a draftable prospect and is then injured uh and uh and can't make it 
So uh, what do we uh, what do we pursue in life that is uh, what we hope for rather than what is easy? What do we got? What do we do? He turned it away. He went for something hard. Sent something easy. Well, I, I think I've turned out a lot of easy stuff in my life uh, to uh, do stupid things that make me happier instead. Uh, our whole uh, wrestling uh, gambit, that wasn't easy. But goddamn, we had a good time, didn't we, boys? Uh-huh. Yep. I'm still sore. Still sore? Still broken. <laughs> yep, yep. Josh, you have, uh, you have I, permanent I, metal I in your body <laughs> from those days as a professional wrestler. Indeed. None of us can say that was easy, but goddamn, I had a great time with you boys doing that. That was fun, fun, fun for me. Sorry about Mike's broken wrist and Josh's broken goddamn near everything. So, so. <laughs> that is a word that will echo in my head for all of eternity. First 10 minutes of your life, I had no idea what was going on. It was terrific. <laughs> Tommy, you were a great evil timekeeper. Yeah. I will never take that away from you, buddy. <laughs> so, those were good times. So, tell me. We had, the- we had that. With that one show of glory, though, when we hit the big time, open it up for Primus. We did open for Primus. <laughs> so, Josh, uh, I I was looking at Tyler Hoken. I just followed him on Twitter the other day, and it, this explains it. His, his little description of himself is actor, baseball player at heart. Uh, and I saw that the other day, and I'm like, oh, I guess this guy really likes baseball. But this makes a lot more sense now that you just told me that. <laughs> but what was the question to us? <laughs> oh, I mean, what's you know, this guy, he took a chance. You know, he, he tried to do something. He was offered he, – he had already succeeded on a path, right, and was offered a, a path to greater glory. But instead, he turned that, and he went for something harder that he loved instead. So <laughs> is there anything in your life that you just said, you know, this is – not the easy path, but this is what I love, and hopefully it works out. And maybe not. We don't all get to do, say those things or do those things. You know. I know when I had been asked to leave college, uh, a.k.a. kicked out, and uh, was working as a manager at Friendly's, I know the – they were very nice to come over to me and offer to make me a general manager. And they said, you know, it was the, it was Pete, the general manager and Gary, uh, my, uh, who was the, uh, district manager. And he's like, you know, Mike, the, you're, you're smart. You're really a hard worker. Five years, you could be a district manager. Uh, we want to give you your own store. And I looked at him and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go join the army. (laughs) And it wasn't anything against the food service industry. It's just, I looked at them and I saw, you know, Pete was in his thirties and balding from stress. And I was like, no, I got to do something drastically different and go down. By the way, Pete was a good boss. Yeah, no, Pete was a great boss. I'm not saying anything. And it's, it wasn't a bad job, but I could have gotten comfortable and displaced uh, comfortable enough. So I said, okay, 
I could do this for the rest of my life. But I decided to go out and try something drastically different to set my life in a different direction. And that's for that. It's, I, I really, I'm really uh, happy they offered me that job because if they hadn't, I may have still been working there because I might <laughs> not have gotten off my ass and done anything else. You might have seen the awful, awful end game. <laughs> yeah. Thanos would have snapped and I would have been like, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> We're all going to die. Oh, God, I hope so. And I would have been like, wait, I'm one of the 50% left, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Snap again. Give me one more shot, buddy. One more. Come on. It's, it's a rhythm. Let's keep rolling the dice. It's, Let's it's keep rolling the dice. A very special <laughs> night. <laughs> You're like the 30th roll. Come on. One more, baby. God damn it. I don't want to run a friendlies. How about you there, Josh? You you had a lot of make or breaks. I I took a lot of turns, but there was never the the landing spot that led me to something I wanted to do rather than something I had to do. I have an unfortunate knack at being good at whatever was handed to me. And I just took what was in front of me and went with it. And sometimes, don't get me wrong, I, I made big changes and I made I made decisions about where my life was going to go, but it was never, it was never on that line where you're like, this is what I want to do. This is, this is the risk I'm going to take to be what I, uh, at least from a work perspective, what I want to do for the rest of my life. It just never, uh, yeah, it's never uh, got decided for me. See, work has never been a, like a big part for me. Like I always work, but it's never been. Like, Lady loves her job. She loves, loves being a professor. She loves her work. Uh, but I just don't get much satisfaction from any work I've ever done. Like, that's, I run a yeah, food. That's the hard part for us, right? Yeah. Like, find, finding that, like, you, you work, you know, 33% of your life. It's work, right? At but the end Lady's of the day. very fulfilled by it. Like, I'm fulfilled more now working at yeah. this food bank than I've ever been in my entire life. And I don't think of it as work. Maybe it's, Maybe I should. But uh, I love just running this food bank. It's terrific. Uh, but I don't think it was work. I uh, work, but I don't. Uh, yeah. Chess, let's open a brewery. Come on, man. This is the moment. Do it oh, right it's now. coming. I'm saving my money. Here it comes. <laughs> Come with me to Memphis. I can get you an internship for, the, for a summer working at my buddy's uh, very successful brewery. Got a. Save money. So right. that just kind of reminds me of a super story, a superstore storyline. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Black Friday, they are they are beaten down by these crowds of holiday shoppers, and they are ready to just all walk out because they hate the customers. And the one guy who is always the curmudgeon of the group. Uh, what was what's his name? Uh, the guy in the wheelchair, Stacy Garrett. Garrett gives the most unmotivational motivation speech ever. He's like, it's "Beautiful." Do I hate this job? Yes. Do I phone it in every day? Yes. But I tell you what, I'm not going to let a bunch of customers who I hate make me quit this job. I'm going to go out there and do the bare minimum I can to not get fired. Are you with me? Are you with me? 
Yeah, that sounded like me at my retail job. <laughs> <laughs> I had a manager I, yeah. tell me, because I, I had that job when I was in college, and um, I had a manager tell me, she said, you're really good at your job. And, I mean, it's kind of a similar thing. Like, you know, I was managing the music department. I was really good at that. She's like, you've got management material written all over you. But if you're here in five years, I will fucking fire you. Because oh. you are better than this. Get out of here. And, uh, in, in, Memphis, and I did. in Memphis, Tennessee, I had five kids, and I called them my shovel kids. And I said, listen, guys, you're terrific. I'm going to give you every opportunity I can for the next five years. But if you're still working for this place in five years, I'm going to kill you with a shovel. I'm going to use a shovel to bury you because you're better than this. <laughs> you're great kids. Get the fuck out of here. My shovel kids. I, I'd yell at them and I, where are my shovel kids? They'd come running up because they, they did most of my work. <laughs> they were great. And I gave them the lion's share. They, they were the best paid kids there. And I made sure they did their paperwork to get into college. I helped a couple of them write essays to get into college. And I got them the fuck out of there. My shovel kids. Can I have my yeah, shovel I kids there? The hardest part of leaving that job, though, was on Saturdays, I was the Pokemon gym leader, and I ran <laughs> I ran Pokemon tournaments, and I had this group of kids that cried when I left. <laughs> it was really hard, but um, but I was I was off to do the thing that my dad said I couldn't do, which was get a job with an English degree that wasn't teaching or working retail. <laughs> and I thought it was a guy named Gary. <laughs> yeah so i uh i did advertise i wrote advertising copy for a little while and i did that freelance and i wasn't making enough money to move out <laughs> so i took some other jobs that i hated um i worked collections oh i hated that job um but that job motivated me to look for a job that i could use my degree in and uh that was when i started working at city and i've been there uh it'll be 17 years this year so it's oh, really gosh. turned into a career and and i i love I, I you know there's there's times that i didn't love my job but i love it right now like i really get to use all of the stuff that my dad was like nope you're not gonna be able to you're never you're not gonna be able to find a job doing that and i was like uh, linguistics and technical writing. Yeah, I can find a job doing those things. You're like, fuck you, Dad. <laughs> How about you, LT? Did you have that, that moment yet? That the thing? Well, I mean, I could have gotten another job in financial aid, but you know, doing the the sort of uh, working with the military, I think is has been pretty rewarding over the past year and a half. I think it's been a good change. That's good. You don't seem as stressed. No. And you, can, and you seem like you can actually take some time off now. You don't do it very often, but you seem like you yeah, can. Yeah, I mean, there's not as much time, but I feel like it's easier to take the time. Gotcha. All right. And, and Stace, you got a toy for me? I got two. Ooh. Oh, do they work in tandem? Well, kind of, yeah. So, I can hope they do, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I could show you the, I could show you the new Godzilla versus Kong figures. Um, they're fun, but they're very like simple. So what I wanted to show was, 
a company called NECA makes beautiful, beautiful toys. Um, they've done several versions of this particular sculpt, but this is the one they painted, like the, the old movie poster. Mm-hmm. So he's nice. he's nice. beautiful. And got the great orange scales on the back, a nice deep color green. Yeah. And yeah. lose a lot and of articulation. I like it when it's, they have mouths that open and close. It moves. Yeah, it's great. And then, uh, so that one came out a couple of years ago. This one just came out. Um, they did a version of Kong, kind of the same thing, very much like, you know, famous monsters of film land paintings uh, or movie posters, things like that. The, uh, um, so I the, like the arm hair, is that simulated by the plastic being raised or? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's all sculpted. Like, looks terrific, though. I mean, on camera, I could be a little bit fooled by it. Yeah. I still have my three-foot-tall Godzilla, who's like goes with the guy king, like the big, tall plastic rollers. He's yeah. awesome. I have one of those. He's he's missing. Uh, mine's missing his fist. Yeah, the fist shoots. It shoots, and yeah. uh, he's missing his tail. So he's currently holding a Donkey Kong puppet. Uh, on the missing hand, and then I've just shoved him in the corner so you can't see that he's missing yeah. his tail. Barring uh, familial he... theft, my Godzilla was whole last I checked, and his little fire tongue still worked. So yeah, that's the hard thing is the the tab gets broken off yeah, a lot the of tab time. So off, mine, yeah. the tab is fine. Uh, he's just missing a hand and the tail. So oh. you know, is that the one works. that also has the ridge line? Uh, the it's made of hard plastic, so kids were impaling themselves as they tripped running with Godzilla. Or is that a oh. different Godzilla? No, that's a different, that's a different one. Okay, yeah, yeah, different the, yeah, that toy did not do well. Yeah, I still I'm, have uh, Mazinger, Godzilla, and oh, who's the other guy I have? He's uh, got the red crown with the diamond. In his forehead, and he had he mm-hmm. shot the blade, the saws. I can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Like, B something, right? Bowlinger, Bowlinger. I can't remember his name. Those are the three, like, three-footers I had on the rolly wheels. I love them. So, Stacy, where can people see these actual creations that you've been displaying for our podcast? Uh, they can see them on my Instagram at Geeky Vixen. Um, I do actually have an idea for these two guys, uh, but it might take me a couple of days to execute. So um, they're coming. I'm going to do a series of Godzilla versus Kong, but like play playing chess. basketball and <laughs> playing toss across and stuff like that. So. Did you guys um, talk about the passing of uh, Jessica Walters? We did not. No. I, think. No, I, I thought we did. I thought we mentioned that the uh, voice of Archer, well-known uh, actress. No? Well, let's do that now. Jessica Walter was a national treasure, for God's sakes. Yep. I was watching the best of Mallory Archer. Uh, one of my favorite lines is she's drunk and she's like, he left me for a 20-year-old? I'll show him. Get me a 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> And then my other favorite line is, you dance like a young Jackie Gleason. And somebody says, is is that an insult? And she says, I should hope so. (laughs) 
Oh, man. She'll always be Lucille Bluth to me. Uh, I, I also watched a whole bunch of Lucille Bluth's best burns, but there's just too many to count. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. The one that we send uh, among my friend group, we send, uh, here's some money, go see a Star Wars all the time. Like, somebody be like, look at this new Star Wars thing, Star Wars thing I got. And somebody's like, here's some money, go see a Star Wars. Go see a Star Wars. What was the name of that show? Arrested Development. Arrested Development? I think I've seen like four episodes. Oh, God. Dude. Oh, go oh. watch it. I know. Everyone tells Love me it. that fucking classic. I love Arrested Development. Dude, they have jokes that pay off seasons later. <laughs> yeah. Seasons later. Yeah. yeah. I've had them explain to me, like, the the, the magician in the background uh, joke that went on for, like, four seasons. Yeah. Uh, the the fact that uh, one of the, the cousins' name is Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That pays off later. Yeah, you got to watch it. It's totally worth it. And if you like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you should definitely watch Arrested Development. <laughs> okay. It's true. It's true. It's true. A lot of people in it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I guess that will just about do it. I guess that brings us over to plugs. Anyone well, have anything fun to plug? Yeah, I'd like to thank Kirby Crackle for providing us their geek rock music every week. You can check them out at kirbycracklemusic.com. I'd like to plug geekorthodox.com. 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 Hello, Timmy. GeekOrthodox.com, purveyor of fine t-shirts and other geeky things, such as stained glass prints, Johnny Skywalker rocks glasses, baseball t-shirts, you name it, they got it. GeekOrthodox.com. Their new print of uh, the Winchester. Let's just go down and have a pint until this all blows over. I so (laughs) want to hang that in my future kitchen. Wherever that may be. Wherever that may be. And Stacey, I know you have a bunch of other podcasts that you're on. You want to play a couple of those? Uh, sure. Yeah, I've uh, I've made some appearances on a couple of uh, podcasts on the RetroNetwork.com. Um, I've done the Wizards podcast, where they run down individual episodes of Wizard Magazine from the '90s. Um, ah. We've I've done. Uh, Retro Network Game Night. Uh, I do that almost every month. I think we have an episode recording probably next week, um, something like that. I occasionally blog on the site as well, but even if I'm not writing it or I'm not doing it, there's a lot of stuff you can check out on the site that uh, if you're a nostalgia geek like I am, you're going to find something that you'll enjoy. I'd also like to plug Downwind Kites. Kite flying season's coming up. Why not go get yourself a kite at downwindkites.com. Downwindkites, all one word, dot com. Great place to buy all your kiting needs. Yep. Talk about a guy following his passion. Our good friend Mark loves him some kites. Uh, I like to plug Pensacons coming up at the end of May. Uh, a lot of really good guests coming up. Uh, we're not sure how many of us are going to be able to make it down there yet, but uh, the long box guys... Uh, we'll be trying to make an appearance down there and running a few panels and helping out as much as we can because that is a fun, fun con. 
And uh, we hope to see some of you guys there. I'm so jealous. Peter David, one of my favorite writers of all time, is going to be there. And Tom is going to be on a panel with him because he just wants to stick it to me. Oh, I'm going to run the panel. I I just uh, did uh, did a quick email over to Steve. Steve, I got to run this panel, man. (laughs) (coughs) So, yeah, screw you, Mike. (laughs) Peter David was the very important job. Peter David was the author of that X Factor where Madrox and Siren had the baby. And oh, God. When, <laughs> so sad. And when I, I bought that script from him at uh, um, Dragon Con, I was like, that, that, that was one of the most shocking moments in my 40 years of reading comic books. And he was like, the script's right here, and I'm like, the script is mine, Peter David. <laughs> you got me, you son of a bitch. Give it to me. You got me. <laughs> He'll like it if you wear your multiple man shirt while you're interviewing him. I actually saw that he's in, in the uh, Pentagon one. He's wearing a multiple man shirt. Yeah, you should just wear it and just be like, pose, pose next to him. Hopefully a lot of people will be. Josh, how about you? you have anything to plug to, buddy? Uh, it's a board game called Dice Throne. Bring your characters. My monk is gonna kick your ass. Now my gun. Well, I've already been looking at the rules for Gunslinger while LT was talking. Sorry, <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Bang! <laughs> and now I'm just about to do a here for the long box, guys. Well, wait. Uh, there's one other thing we should talk about: our Patreon account. I was about to jump in there. I was about to say thank you for all our Patreon Patreons who have also been listening to our other podcast called The Geek Leak. The Geek Leak is uh, us talking more about pop culture in general and games and stuff that we're doing to ward off the crazies uh, from the COVIDs. And uh, for a mere $1 a month. What? $1 a month? The cost of a hand job downtown? Same as the, same as the monastery. That's right. $1 a month. And uh, for just that, you get an extra podcast almost every single week. Uh, you get to be on our Patreon feed. And all the money goes to the Elizabeth Peabody House Food Bank, feeding over uh, 100 families every single week. Uh, can't do much better than that, guys. Well, we're trying to do better, but we're doing pretty good. <laughs> and so, Mike, what's this podcast like to you? It's like drunk history, but for comics. And uh, Josh, uh, Pennsylvania, is that your district? Uh, the Mahoning Theater in uh, Layton, PA. That was my uh, my uh, my sector last week. That's right, Jim Thorpe, one of the fastest guys ever. Tommy, sweet sweet Tommy. Yeah. Uh, if you have an opportunity to get a vaccine shot, take it. Don't waste your shot. Take your shot. <laughs> Not gonna. I guess I'm gonna take my shot. Shot. Come on, man. This thing writes itself. Shot. 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 Stacy, sweet, sweet Stacy. Any words of wisdom for us? I just want to personally thank Dolly Parton for just being Dolly Parton, but also for helping fund the Moderna vaccine that I got last week. That even though I was pretty miserable for about a day. It's going to be worth it when I get my second shot. And then two weeks after that, I'm fully vaccinated. So, yeah, do your part. Double M. 
and you've had COVID. I did. I and did. it sucked. It sucked. I was yeah. lucky. It did not suck as much for me as it has sucked for other people. Uh, but yeah, I would not wish it on anybody. Right, I want to try to get through this real quick part without crying. Thank you, Governor Hutchinson of Arkansas. Uh, your entire state voted for a horrible trans bill uh, that would have made it illegal for any kid to get any kind of surgery or even counseling. Uh, you had the guts to put your back to the river of knowledge and say, no, you move. Good on you. That's a good veto. Yeah, it's a worthless veto because they only need a simple majority to override his vote, and it passed the legislature 27 to 9. And uh, You know, it's not worth it. It means something to me, and it means something to a lot of my trans friends. Yeah. Uh, to all those who support these anti-trans laws, just fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself with whatever you want to fuck yourself with. No, no. I'm going to take it one step further and say, fuck yourself to death. Thanks. <laughs> they don't deserve that. Yeah. Don't fuck yourself. Yeah. I don't, I don't uh, want That's a good way to go out. I don't want that yeah. to happen. <laughs> um, uh, Hutchinson's going to become very unpopular in his state for this veto. That's why I give him a lot of credit. He really had no reason to say no. Because you're right. It is going to go. It is going to pass eventually. But him saying no means something, and uh, yeah. I applaud you for that, sir. It means he won't get reelected in a Republican state. If Probably up to him, if he said no because it's it, of the horribleness of it and how it's discriminatory, that would have been one thing. But his justification was this is just government overreach, so I can't support it. I don't know if don't you care. want to I just still... applaud him for being that brave when. <laughs> He didn't do. But everyone, you can't. Everyone, you can't give somebody credit for doing the right thing if they do it for the wrong reasons. Sure, I get it. I'm tough. Yeah. Although, hey, I do want to say one other thing. Um, if you, I recommended Imperious Lex the other day. Um, uh, well, a few months ago on the podcast, it's the new Mark Russell uh, comic book, Superman's arch enemy, Lex Luthor. It's a future state comic. It's only three issues. And issue three has one of the best lines ever. Mark Russell, you son of a bitch, you did it again. Uh, I, and I'm going to I'm going to butcher it. But at one point, the Sangarians are saying, no, uh, this person doesn't deserve mercy after all they did. And Superman says, no one deserves mercy. That's the point of mercy. Nice. Wow. Nice. I love it. I love it. Square lock. Yeah. I think you did a fine job, Mike. Yeah. yeah. And that will do it. Uh, don't forget what I always say. Don't uh, diss what you hate. Just promote what you love. And uh, thank you for the long box, guys. Love you. Bye-bye. <laughs>